and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have Dr. Marcia Reynolds who is fascinated by the brain, especially what triggers feelings of connection, commitment and possibility. She has trained and coached leaders in 36 countries and has presented at the Harvard Kennedy School, Cornell University, Smith College and the Moscow School of Management in Russia. Prior to starting her own business, Marsha's greatest success came from designing the employee development program for a global semiconductor manufacturing company facing bankruptcy. Within three years, the company turned around and became the number one stock market success in 1993. Marsha has been a student and researcher of how humans learn for over three decades. She has two master's degrees in communication and adult education. In pursuit of learning more, Marsha earned her doctoral degree in organisational psychology in 2008. Interviews and experts from her book, Outsmart Your Brain, Wonder Woman for High Achieving Women, and her latest book, The Discomfort Zone, How Leaders Turn Difficult Conversations into Breakthroughs, have appeared in many places, including Fast Company, CNN, Forbes, Psychology Today, and lots more. Marcia is a true pioneer in the coaching profession. She is a founding member of the International Coaching Federation with the fifth global president and is back on the global board as a director. With Marcia's guidance, you can outsmart your brain and make a powerful difference, one meaningful conversation at a time. So let's tune in to Marcia. Enjoy. We have a very exciting guest for you today. We have Marsha Reynolds all the way from the US and I thought we better start recording because we were having some juicy conversations about lots of things and it's Friday afternoon at your end of the world. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you. Glad to be here. So before we get started, I just wanted to start recording because we were talking about some of the things we're talking about, women in leadership, we were talking about uh, your book, we were talking about archetypes, so you can tell it's going to be very, very, very exciting interview, but before we get started, for our listeners, let's unpack Marsha. Tell us your story. Um. About what brought me here? Correct. Yeah. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah. You know, there's. I would say that no matter what I choose to do right now, it all stems from 
my turning point in life. When I was uh, uh, 20 years old, I had gone down a dark path in high school and I ended up turning 20 in jail. Uh, and it turned out to be the tra a transformational experience and not because of the jail, but because of the people I was with, the women that I was with. And I call them my angels because they truly helped me to see who I am. And in particular, there was this one woman who uh, she normally, when you would first meet her, you'd be scared to death. She ran the biggest, meanest, scariest gang there. But she was my cellmate and we got to know each other. And uh, we'd play cards all night long. And, and I got to learn about her life and all the things that she had to deal with and the advantages that I had. And I still saw myself or didn't see myself as all that powerful. I had just see myself as uh, uh, this disaster and then I got myself in this horrible place. And then it really was brought to a head because there were some really bad things that happened. We were overcrowded and I really thought, okay, here's my chance to make a difference. So I gathered everyone and we des designed this nonviolent protest, which is really a riot. And so when we started this, the whole thing was that we were going to start by throwing garbage out. And then if they wouldn't listen to us, we'd take off our dresses and throw them out. And so we did all this crazy thing. And um, what happened was my cellmate and I ended up being dragged down and thrown into isolation. And it was at that moment that I really thought this is just the pits. This is it. This is my life. I've destroyed it, I'm, I'm useless, and nothing will ever happen. And it was at that moment that she actually, she stood up, she came over to me, she pinned me against the wall and said, you have no idea who you are. She said, you are smart, you are strong, and for some God knows why reason, you just deeply care about people. And when you get that in here, and she pointed to her heart, she says, you're going to get out of here. And that moment was not just that I heard someone say to me who I really was and, and, and what were the things that I could offer, but the sense that this person saw me, really saw me, saw me for who I was and believed in me even when I didn't believe in myself. And I say that because... The work that I continue to do to this day is that, yes, I love to have people recognize who they are in their greatest strengths. But what's even most important to me is that when we're in conversation with each other, do we really see each other? Do we see that light inside of each other and acknowledge that? And I truly believe that the work that I do, uh, even though it tends to be covert corporate work, <laughs> Is, is really bringing that sense that that's connection and that's what we need in our conversations because if we can do that for each other, what a difference it will make. So that was the story that really kind of launched me on this crazy journey um, in the last 40 years that have brought me to where I am today. Well, I've got goosebumps. That would be a, just a turning point for you and have someone yeah. uh, actually speak those words to you. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So was that that was that a radical shift for you in your life at that moment? Um, totally. You know, I, and honestly, when I when I've looked back after some years and education and can try to really decipher what happened to me because I was a a good kid and got good grades and and even at that point I had a year of college. Um, so what happened? And what I have discerned is that a big part of my upbringing was a, a great acknowledgement of what I could do and, and a pushing of, you know, you must be the best. You must be the best student. You must be the best athlete and all this stuff um, that was external. And so to please my parents, to be somebody, I had to accomplish these things. But the, there wasn't a um, any acknowledgement of me, what that woman did for me was that acknowledge me and my essence of who I am. And and I think that uh, when I got to a point where I felt like I couldn't be the best at everything, then I was a disappointment. Then I just went all the, the other way that, OK, fine, I'll just be a, a disappointment in life. I can't be the best at, at all these things. I'm if, I'm barely five foot tall, so I certainly couldn't be the best at most of the sports. <laughs> and in academics, there was a lot more competition. And and I didn't have anything internal. And what I find so much uh, with a lot of the women that I work with, that even those that are very successful in business, that they, they have a confidence level in their skill, but not in themselves. And so I see this phenomenon a lot that uh, that I, I'm confident in what I do, but not who I am. And that's what the difference was for me at that moment was that she made me recognize that there is a who I am <laughs> and that who I am is OK and actually pretty good. And I really think I missed that um, in, in, in my parents desire to do the best. For me, um, you know, to focus on me succeeding in this life, but there was a missing of. But you're really okay, no matter who you are. Mm, I love that. So that, let's go into because you were talking about your dissipation. Uh, dis, um, oh, say dissertation. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about women in leadership. Uh, did you yeah. want to talk us through that? Because I know that. Um, our listeners right now, as I explained, the majority are women in business, entrepreneurs and women in leadership. Um, let's yeah. unpack that a little bit. What okay. were some of your discoveries? Well, you know, it was an interesting thing. So I, it was um, 2005, nearly 2006, when I was uh, trying to complete my, my doc my doctorate and and I had no idea what I was going to do my dissertation on so all my research had been about leadership and uh, neuropsychology how the brain works and all of that but it was so broad and I didn't know what I was going to finish in this lifetime and then I heard this man um, at speaking in front of a very large audience and he was describing the differences between men and women at work and and the whole time I was thinking well, that's not the women I know. That's not me. That's not the women I work with. And, you know, he was just saying that, oh, we don't care about work. We only care about family and relationships. And I, and, and I knew that a lot of the women that I work with, even that had families, yes, family was important, but so was their work and what they would, were accomplishing. 
So I went out and I did a review of the literature and found that everything out there was written for women as if we were all the same. And we all had a problem of speaking up and, and worrying about what people think about us and all of that. And that may be true. And there's a lot of women that um, they don't have a trouble speaking up. They have more trouble channeling <laughs> the words and, and, and maybe speaking them in a way that people understand their passion and, and what they desire. And I found like a lot of women, they don't have problems saying no because they're worried about what people think. They have a problem saying no because they think they're the only ones that can do it right. <laughs> and so I said, you know, there's, there's just nothing out there for, I would say, the rest of us. But even those, those even parts of us that don't fit this picture of what, uh, a, a woman is according to the the research not just the books but the research as well so I said you know I need to this is what I'm going to do my dissertation on I'm going to um, identify uh, smart strong women in the workplace so uh, I had used um, some measurements to determine women that tend to be more on the assertive side um, and were very focused on achievement and getting accomplishing things at work. And I found, you know, and it's really interesting because fortunately my dissertation was turned into a book and, and women from around the world, even to this day, and the book's been out for seven years, um, that email me and say, thank you. I thought something was wrong with me. I, I thought I was crazy. And after reading your work, I realized that there's so many other women like me that I still might be crazy, but it's nice to know I'm not alone. <laughs> and so, <Yeah. laughs> and so the work and, but you know, you and I were talking earlier about uh, archetypes and, and that pattern that we don't acknowledge who we are, you know, even if we're strong with our skills, we're not necessarily strong internally. Those are the patterns that I found um, that a lot of women carry a warrior pattern into the workplace. Um, they have to fix things uh, or they're, they're nurturers and they take care of people. And then we get stuck in our patterns. Mm. And uh, so th those were the things that I was writing about, you know, how we get stuck in who we think we are uh, and how can we move beyond that. So that's what the research was on in the book Wonder Woman. That's uh, the exercises all focus on that. I love the title, by the way. I've just got a vision of Wonder Woman with a cape and her uh, <laughs> wristbands. So can I just um, unpack that a little bit more too? When you're talking about the archetypes, for our listeners, what, what are those archetypes and how do they play out as women? Okay. And first off, it's wonder, not wonder. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Meaning that we wander. We tend to wander. We go from thing to thing. We go from this challenge to the next. And it's just kind of never good enough. It's like, what's next? What else can I do? And that's what I found very common. And, and, and the wanderer is an archetype that there's the pioneer. Um, and for years, uh, there were pioneer women that would create things, but then they'd settle into it. But the pattern for many of us is that we we go to a company, we accomplish great things, and then we say, okay, um, been there, done that, what's next? And if the organization can't provide us with new challenges, we move on. 
Mm-hmm. And many women, the pattern is to go from company to company and then start her own business. And so, uh, and, and, and it's not just, it's not because we're not promoted. It's really more of a matter of, of new challenges. It's like, keep me challenged. I want to keep learning. We love to learn. Mm. Um, and so that's one of the patterns, but another pattern, like one that I was really stuck in. And a lot of the women I work with, um, is a warrior, uh, pattern. We come into the organization, we know we can accomplish great things and we want to make great change. We take out our swords and, and start slashing things. And, um, you know, it served me when I was young in companies that I'd see what needed to be done. I'd step in and I fix that. But as I started to move up, it ended up that I seemed to be more in conflict. And one time my boss, he, he took me and he's patting my hand, which really irritated me. He says to me, dear, you can quit fighting now. You've made it. Yeah. And I pulled my hand away and he says, is there a way, you know, is there a way when you talk to people now that instead of trying to force them to see uh, your way, that you can inspire them to see what you see? And that's when I realized that there was a part of me that I wasn't using, part some of my voices, that I could be a visionary. I could paint a picture that could inspire people. I could tell stories. I love being a storyteller. And those are archetypes, the visionary, the storyteller. And I got so wrapped up into being the warrior, warrior woman that I forgot to really use those aspects of me. So archetypes aren't roles. They, it doesn't mean you should take on being who you're not. But it's just when you study archetypes is to realize that here's the patterns of behavior I tend to use. And here's some other ones that are, are a part of me that I have forgotten or I don't use that much. Um, and can I, if I'm going into a meeting, just say who should show up today? And choose what would be most useful for me of one of my many selves instead of getting just stuck in that pattern that's not working for me. And that's why I like the archetypes, because it gives me a broader sense of, of how I can be in different situations with people um, while still being me. So, so Marsha, what I'm uh, hearing is that those archetypes all reside within us. Um, obviously, some show up more than others, but we can tap into those archetypes whenever we like. Absolutely. In fact, um, one of the exercises in the book is to, you know, choose the top three that you tend to use and then choose three that feel like they could be you. Um, and you have you you know, because we're in different situations, we act differently. So maybe at home, you're one way and you're not doing that at work. So so could you bring like a nurturer um, won't make you weak? Sometimes that might be good. So could you bring um, a piece of you to work uh, or in, in different situations? And um, so the exercise is to to look at your dominant three and then choose three that you want to give more of a voice to. And then if you put them on sticky notes and uh, I had this one woman put it like in, on a poster because she posted it on Facebook and they become your board of directors. So you look at your archetypes, like your six archetypes and just say, okay, so what's going on here? You know, this isn't working. So um, 
you know, who needs to show up right now? What could be more useful for me in this situation uh, that would help me achieve what I want if I'm not getting it? So just being aware that these that you have access to various patterns of behavior. So like for me, again, instead of just being a warrior, I can be a visionary, a storyteller, even a revolutionary um, has to operate with vision instead of a rebel warrior, <laughs> which is often what I was when I was younger. I know a lot of um, sometimes being a, a detective to step back and look for clues and trying to understand what's really going on here is better than me just assuming I know and being uh, the, I sometimes step into the, uh, the scholar, which is sort of the know-it-all <laughs> because I have so many degrees and I have to be careful. Sometimes that's useful when I'm writing blog posts or doing podcasts, but um, uh, sometimes it turns people off. Mm. Yeah. So again, look and, Looking at you know what are the different aspects that I I can bring forward. If you look at um, like in 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 Wonder Woman, I look at a number of them that show up in the workplace. But there's a lot of people like Carolyn um, Miss, I think it is M Y S S. She wrote the book Sacred Contracts that looks at lots of archetypes, um, and she has card decks and the whole thing and and. And then there's some people that say oh, there's really only dominant 12 archetypes. So there's a lot of things out there. Um, and like even in my list, you might find, oh, but I have a different uh, archetype that I use. And that's fine. So as long as you give name uh, to uh, what is that pattern of behavior, so it allows you to think about it and to, to, to look at how it serves you and when it doesn't. That was my next question, Marsha, because some of the, of the archetype conversations I've had, they do vary. Some have only got, uh, you know, seven, some have got 12, some have got, they vary. How many do you work with? I, you know what, I, I don't remember how many I have in the book. I think it's actually about 20. Okay. Yeah. Because I know there's one lady who was saying, I think she said seven, and but then she actually had all the other sit and sit under that seven because they were there was resemblance or they were very relatable to one another, so it was oh, easier yeah. to to work with. So, Marsha, what I was thinking of as you were speaking through it for our listeners um, that uh, are not aware of archetypes and how they could play out. So, for example, mm -hmm. if you're a woman in business and you're a pioneer and that's your that's how you're showing up, so you're always creating and innovating, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I guess that if you're constantly like that, mm -hmm. uh, could that be a, uh, a showstopper where you're constantly creating but you're not completing what you've started? <laughs> yeah, that would be the wanderer. <laughs> okay. Exactly, because pioneers settle down. Okay. Um, but it's the wanders. You're absolutely right. And what I found in interviewing uh, for my research was that um, a lot of women look back, including me, and say, uh, if I would have stayed put a little longer, um, look what I could have accomplished. Uh, instead of getting bored very easily or, okay, I'm done with that, uh, let's move on. So one of the things that I caution uh, women is, is, is to stop and, and ask yourself, what am I basing my decision on when you decide to do something else? And um, 
even if you finish something, but to move on so quickly to something else. Is it because you're bored? Is it because you don't want to do this? Is it because uh, if it's a company, you don't like them anymore? Um, and I say, be careful about making decisions on your future based on the past or even what's happening now. So one of the, the things I found in my research is that a lot of the women didn't have like a big uh, life purpose or, or vision of themselves in the future or what even identifying what it is that I, I want to be known for and I want to create. So um, that's why the subtitle of my book is How High Achieving Women Find Contentment and Direction. So that you know, it's that restlessness that drives them to leave, but they don't know where they're going. And so oftentimes when I coach women, I I I say, can we spend a little time and just figuring out where you want to go and what is it that you want to create before you just leave something behind? Mm. So I think that's really important work uh, for women to do, whether it's finding a purpose or creating a vision um, or even uh, with women more my age, looking at what's the legacy? What is it the one thing that I'd like people to remember that I did? And it's so true. It's it's almost I, I myself find that when I work with women, quite often when you ask them the simple question is, what is it that you want for yourself? They actually don't know. They get stuck because they're, yes. they're, they're just givers and they give so much mm -hmm. away that when it comes to them, and you can see, especially the ones that have been really selfless, they've got a family mm -hmm. and they've always uh, been concerned about others but not themselves. But when yeah. it comes to themselves, right. they just break down crying because it's, I don't know yeah. what I want. Yeah. yeah, which is really sad, but it, it's a common thing. I did want to yeah. ask you, um, before we got on the show, we were talking about relationships and mm -hmm. with archetypes, do we attract mm -hmm. the archetype that we need to learn from, as in from a relationship, whether it's in a work relationship or a personal relationship? How does that work out or how does that play out? Hmm. Well, you know, it's uh, that's interesting um, when you said – uh, attracting uh, people who whom we want to learn. I, I do believe that most of the people in our lives have come in to be our teachers, especially the ones we don't like. Yeah. <laughs> and so they are sometimes our greatest teachers. Um, and often when I get upset with my partner, um, I'm like, okay, what's the lesson he's teaching me now? Mm. <laughs> so, so that is a good way of looking at it. But um I think it's in terms of like life partners, it's, it needs to be a complementary um, archetype. So um, I, I mentioned to you that, you know, most of my life people were saying, oh, you need to find your match. So you need to find, uh, you know, a man who's, uh, who's successful, has accomplished things, has degrees because you need to be able to talk to them and all of that. And um, I tried that. <laughs> a number of times and a number of divorces. And it took me decades to realize that um, uh, that I'm a pretty uh, dominant person. I didn't need another dominant uh, partner, <laughs> that I didn't need a king. And, and what I realized was um, I needed a knight that I needed someone uh, when I went out during the day and I worked really hard that I came home that I could 
be emotionally supported. I didn't need financial support. I needed emotional support. I needed someone who wouldn't say to me, so when are you going to quit working and traveling and, and pay more attention to me? I needed the person that, as my partner, I travel a lot. He takes care of the house when I'm gone, and there's no, when are you going to stop doing this? He supports who I am. He supports what I want to do in the world. Um, and he's there when I need to come home and just complain or cry. <laughs> and uh, and he's become best friends with our cat, <laughs> which is really important to me. So um, that understanding um, what would really serve who I am and what I want to create in the world isn't necessarily the uh, the typical stereotype of what we think or what our parents told us, because my parents would have never um, had suggested uh, uh, the type of of you know person that I'm with, and um, which is sad. Um, but again, I think they wanted the best for me, so they thought I should have somebody who could take care of me. Mm. Which um, it's like, no, thank you, I, I do that quite well um, myself it, on the outside. But again, it's the inside <laughs> that I like having support, and uh, and and my partner does that for me. Mm. Um, he really, I I know that, and he's just and. He's everything I'm not in terms of like he's kind and he's patient. <laughs> he's all those things I struggle with. Well, that's, so, what, um, that's what they say though, isn't it? We, we often attract the opposite of who we are yeah. because we need to learn from one another. That's how we learn from one another. Yeah, and well, and I call it a compliment Yeah, that we compliment each other. Because yeah. um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're opposites because there's a lot of things – we love to do, we love to hike, the, you know, how we spend our leisure time is exactly alike. Um, how we see the world and politics tends to be the same, <laughs> which is a good thing. Yeah. So we're not opposites in that sense, but we're certainly um, complements in, mm. in our traits of who we are. Mm, and I love the fact that you use the term best friends because I think that's really important. So, Marsha, yeah. during your uh, journey or your adventure, what has been some of your greatest lessons learned? Um, well, you know, when I found uh, emotional intelligence 20 years ago now, it was like the light turned on for me because I knew that that much of, of my life had been run by my emotions, even though I wasn't supposed to acknowledge that and and here it was saying that's okay you're a human being you have emotions now understand them and use them instead of they drive them driving you so i think that was like the critical piece of really really being able to stop to pause and say what's going on with me what is it that i'm feeling right now and what is that triggering me to do and do i want to feel something else or do I want to stick with it because it's serving me? So that awareness of, um, and I say, you know, what's going on with me because emotions tend to have a biological reaction. So that awareness of what's happening with me right now gives me more power of choice in the moment um, than just rationalizing, uh, you know, my reaction um, and not doing the right thing for me. And that's not that easy to do, is it really? When you think about living in such a fast-paced world, to actually, mm -hmm. A, be aware of what's really going on because everything's externalised yeah. uh, mm -hmm. and then being able to manage those emotions 
you know, especially when you're in uh, an environment, you know, you can see this play out too in the workplace. I've seen it mm. uh, play out where, uh, you know, somebody gets triggered, bang, it's mm. out. And how they show up is probably not the best way they wanted to show up. But unfortunately, they had no control, were not able to manage their emotions. So what would be one of those tips that you would um, uh, give out to somebody who's highly emotional um, mm. and has no self-awareness? Yeah. Well, um, the place to start is is that, is self-awareness. And, and actually... Um, if you go on my website, Outsmart Your Brain, and type in uh, emotional inventory, then you can download um, uh, a piece of paper that has a list of hundreds <laughs> of emotions and and um, a chart. And if you set your, your phone or your computer to go off like three times a day and just ask the question, what am I feeling? But check in with your body. You know, so like uh, first you got to know, like, where do I feel anger? You know, is it your stomach? Is it your chest? Is it your shoulders? Where do I feel fear? Um, and, and sometimes it's chicken and egg. Sometimes I just have to stop and say, you know, what's where am I feeling right now? What's tight in my body and, and what emotion could that be related to? So when we start noticing that we're having some kind of biological reaction, whether you can name it or not. But it starts to increase the awareness, which is actually a transmitter in your brain that connects your your logical to your emotional brain, that you widen that, that you start um, actually creating the ability to to say, this is what's going on with me instead of being reactive. Um, and, and you're still going to react, but you can catch it sooner. Mm. Like, oh, you know, what's going on with me? Why am I angry? And and you're absolutely right. This is not easy. Um, but we start with just creating the habit of just starting to notice I'm having an emotional reaction. <sighs> you know, and if you want to shift it, <sighs> exhale, take a breath, <sighs> and then determine how do I want to feel instead mm. right now. Because I think that's a really important piece to actually identify where it's sitting in your body because emotions can get mm -hmm. stored in the body. And if yes. you can't access exactly where it's sitting and maybe work with it, then obviously what it does, it kind of like just builds up and builds up and it's it becomes like a bit of a pressure cooker, doesn't it? And then it just explodes. Yes. Yep. Well, it explodes either in internally yep. and then you get sick and it messes with every system you have. Um, uh, or externally, and we take it out usually on the people we most love. Mm. <laughs> so, or in traffic. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Marsha, yeah. the other thing we love to ask our woman of inspiration is pain points. We all have pain points. Uh, what mm -hmm. would be some of your pain points that you deal with on a day to day basis? And how do you find solutions around or how to work through your pain points? Mm -hmm. um, well, my pain points are, are, really what we've been talking about is that I uh, tend to be uh, low on patience <laughs> and um, uh, I, I, whether it's in conversation or whether I'm working on something and I'm, I'm bored now, I want to do something else. Um, just to notice again, you know, what's going on with me and if I'm starting to lose my patience or I get irritated with someone and I judge and judgment is an emotion. 
It's another one we really, really have to uh, pay attention to. And I know what my judgment feels like and, and when it comes up. And for me, it's what I said about, um, t- uh, you know, releasing the breath and then choosing is it's either gratitude or laughter. Mm. So I keep things on my desk that um, remind me of how lucky I am to uh, to have this life, to live in this gorgeous place in Arizona. Um, and I also have things that make me laugh because laughter is the quickest way to stop the adrenaline uh, and to feel good all over. So um, I, it's another reason why I love emotional intelligence because it taught me that I can use external things to change um, my state and bring me back to a place of being present um, and being able to do what I want. Because mm. I could actually, I mean, I- if you allow it to take place, so for example, I have to admit that um, and I've been in business for 10 years and I remember there very earlier on I was very frustrated a lot of the times and very judgmental a lot of the times and I think that actually had a, an impact on me moving forward. It actually allowed yeah. me to be stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, judgment's a funny thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember once um, I was uh, sitting in a group and we were talking and uh, somebody actually in the class was saying, oh, I don't judge. And I actually asked this person, I said, what was your first impression of me? And she named a, a couple of words. And I said, well, that's judgment. <laughs> Everyone Absolutely. judges. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and we all judge because we have to. It's a part of our survival system. So I always say, just say it. I'm a judgy person. <laughs> I'm a judgy, judgy person because yeah. I'm human. Yeah. And as long as I can notice it, I can say, oh, look at that judgment. Isn't that funny? And then I can shift. Mm. Otherwise, I'm just going to justify that I had a right to to think that way. Um and then you get stuck. You get stuck in a small little world. Mm. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's a matter of asking, is it mine? Because I think that sometimes that's that unconscious bias that shows up mm-hmm. and you're making a judgment. And, you know, just mm-hmm. by pausing and asking yourself, is this actually mine or is it somebody <laughs> else's? That helps yeah. shift the paradigm, shift a little bit anyway. Yeah. Um, what do you think would be a reason that uh, women in business or entrepreneurs fail to succeed in their business? Do you think it's emotional intelligence or do you think there's something else? That they what? I'm sorry. That they that um, So reasons for uh, individuals not to succeed in their business. Ah. Um, I think it often has to do, you mentioned this earlier about, uh, about confidence, mm. about thinking, you know, women, we tend to think, that uh, like in promotions, um, you know, how men might just raise their hand much more quickly than a woman because we think, well, we have to accomplish this and this and this before we're ready instead of just saying, well, I'll just jump in and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're smart, you probably will. And and so I think that um, it's it's not just a lack of confidence. It's a lack of understanding of what's um, uh what you're capable of doing, you know, and so you see, that's, that's different. So I may be, feel confident about, about what I do, but think, um, it requires more for me to move forward than it really does. So I think it's a lack of perception, um, mm. that, that, um, 
that I can do this. So, so, and just to know that I worked for three companies before I started my business and two of them, I had no idea what they did. Um, they were technical companies and, um, and even the job I had, I wasn't fully prepared. And the last one, even I asked my boss, I said, why'd you hire me? I was the least, uh, qualified of the candidates and he said it wasn't about your qualifications that I knew you were going to jump in and you were going to work real hard and do this and we have a lot of changes to make and so you were the one I could count on and I think that women don't understand that 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 often the promotion is about the qualities they bring not the years of experience or demonstration of success and and so they don't have to like have it all under their belt you know, so take a risk, jump forward, fi go figure it out. Mm. Uh, I think they're not as good at things as that, you know, that. And they also think they should just be recognized and offered the job. <laughs> and it's not going to happen. Mm. They've got to put themselves out there and say, hey, I think I can do this. And I think I'll do a really good job. Mm. So say yes and work out how to do it later. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Work for me. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So the other thing we do, Marsha, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? Oh, I would say daring. Mm, daring. Talk us through that one. I love it. Um, well, it's a lot of what we were just saying mm. that, uh, uh, that I, I dare myself. I can go, I, I think I can do that. So I'm going to go do that. Um, even if I'm afraid. Mm, I like that. Do you know, it reminds me of, uh, when I was, uh, a little bit younger, um, you know, how children say, I dare you to do it. And it yes. used to be, it's almost <laughs> like just the fact that I dare you to do it. It's like, okay. And then you do something. And I think just that, as you were saying that, I thought, I love that. I dare you to do it. I dare mean, Well, you know, on the other side of that too, I think um, a number of times when I was younger, you know, when people were saying I couldn't accomplish things, I would say, oh, yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> and, and dare myself to go do it just to show those people that I could. So I think daring comes in, in many ways, but I love that. I dare you to do it. And if we could dare each other mm. to go out and be our best, wouldn't that be great? It does, because it's, it's almost like it's, 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 there's an excitement about it when you say, I yeah. dare you to do it. I, I dare love you. It. Yeah, <laughs> I dare you. So Marcia, I shovel dare you. <laughs> oh, now you've got me going. Uh -huh. So, Marsha, the other thing that we do as we wrap up the show, we always ask our woman of inspiration to leave three shiny golden nuggets. I'm speaking back uh -huh. the front today. Three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Well, the first is um, what I had said before, to, to really commit to stopping and recognizing, you know, how you're feeling three times a day. Just stop and say, what's going on with me? How am I feeling? Um it starts there and you'd be amazed at what you learn about yourself. Mm. The second thing is, uh, you know what I said to you in the story about that woman seeing those things in me. Mm. I find that women have such a hard time um, saying who I am. You know, they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm a pretty good parent or I'm a good leader. But they won't say I'm, I'm brave. I'm courageous. I'm funny. I, I, uh, I'm generous. And I really want uh, 
for all your listeners to just write down 10 things of who you are, not what you do or know, but who you are and to memorize that and every day wake up and say it because that's who you bring out into the world. So know your 10, your great 10 character strengths. Um, And the third thing comes back to that. So you, when you notice your emotions and you want to shift, know right off the tip of your tongue or have something on your desk that you know what you're most grateful for. I mean, we carry those pictures on our phone um, and we don't look at them. So what is it you're most grateful for in this life? Um, so when you when you feel that you're afraid um, or ah, you're frustrated about things in your life, to remember, and this is what I'm more, most grateful for in my life, and to shift into that place of gratitude and you open your heart, because you're going to see so many more solutions to your problems when you come from that space instead of just getting stuck in your head. Mm, I love all three of them. I actually mm. practice daily gratitude. I, every night when I'm in bed, I think about all the mm. things I'm grateful for because I think that just uh, allows me to feel satisfied that I have enough, that everything around me is enough. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Very nice. The other thing that I would love to ask you is how can our listeners find you? What's the best place, Masha? Okay. Well, my website is outsmartyourbrain.com. And, uh, you know, if you have a question, you can contact me through that. And it lists out all my books um, you know, and, uh, and lots of free tools um, on the site. You can just roam around and find things. So. Marsha, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your wisdom. It's been wonderful. And I'm sure our listeners are absolutely going to love this. So thank you once again for your time and your energy. Oh, thank you, Catherine. I've really enjoyed it. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.